Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello everybody. I'm super excited today. I'm going to try and contain myself. Feel wiggly. (laughs) Welcome to this episode of Be the Wolf. I'm here for part two. Want Something Better with Sean Randall. And if you did not catch last week's episode, we left y'all at a precipice point in his story. And it really makes sense because I think it's one thing I really love about your story, Sean, is that it's the full journey of what so many people go through. And you have all these people in personal development worlds and telling you need to do this and you need to do that and just be who you want to be and all this stuff. But when you're at a certain place, when you're really down in the dregs, that stuff is like a pipe dream and it's not very tangible. So I love your story because it, brings us through that whole journey. I'm going to give everybody a quick little recap of where we left off and feel free to pipe in here if there's something you want to add. So we started with your career spiraled. You had started using drugs and alcohol to excess and eventually you started focusing on what you could control. So you got sober, you started working out, taking care of your body. One of the things that you told me was that you weren't really so focused on finding your true self, right? That's when everyone's like, find out who you really are, right? Be the wolf, be who you're born to be. But you just didn't want to be a derelict anymore. (laughs) That was probably a quote. I still don't (laughs) want to be a derelict. That hasn't changed. Yeah, no, I I just, I I had gotten into survival mode. And so the idea of follow your dreams, be your true self. Like that, that just, it, it didn't, it, it didn't occur to me that that was something I should be working on. It was like, you know, keep your bills paid on time, pay money back that you owe that, that kind of stuff. Just keep moving, keep moving forward and, and kind of fix, get, get your life rebuilt was, was where I was at for sure. Yeah. And, and that survival mode place is such a place that I think a lot of people can relate to. Even people that are highly successful are operating from survival mode. Even if they look like they have everything perfect, everything together, so many people are operating from that survival mode. So then you, you 
got sober, you started taking care of your body, you started getting into real estate, you had one super supportive friend, which is always such a huge asset. Yeah. Then we come to 2019, your career starts building up, you're doing better, you're having a lot of health problems, though. And you were just chalking it up to my body is just clearing out all the gunk. But you were in this place of trying really hard and just wondering, why is this stuff still happening? Why are you not where you wanted to be? You're working so hard. And so you had had a good business year. And then winter, Chicago, not a great time for business. Winter is a slower time, but it was, you know, I was still doing well and, and the business was building and, and the pipeline was set for a great 2020. And towards the end of 19 and beginning of 20, I started to feel normal again, which was really, really a big win. And it was like this little glimmer of hope, like, okay, maybe, maybe I can do this. And, and the pain and, and unhealth of the year before had paid off because it was really, it was really difficult. I I would say that's probably the hardest duration of time I've ever been through in my life mentally, because it was like, it's like, how can you try any harder? And, and I was trying to be perfect, right? Because I felt like I didn't have any, <laughs> any margin for error at that point in my life. And I knew that that wasn't, you know, a great place to, to be over the long term. But I, that was the, the effort and the discipline that I put to it. But that, but that was starting to normalize. I was starting to, I was starting to feel like, okay, I've got my feet underneath me a little bit. And physically, I'm, I'm in a better space. I knew I'd made immense progress from where I was the year before. So, yeah. And so I, as a reward for that year of sobriety and, and getting business in line and going better and everything just going better, I decided to take a vacation. I hadn't been on an international vacation in over 10 years. I don't remember exactly how long it had been off the top of my head now, but a long time. And so I decided to go to Lima, Peru. And that was the first week of March, 2020. I went to Lima and I met my, spoiler alert, I met my fiance now. And it was, it was all the cliches. It was love at first sight. It was head over heels. There was just a, a crazy connection. And for me, there was a sense that I didn't have to be anybody other than who I was. And that I I hadn't felt like that or, or known what that felt like in, in a very, very long time. And, but just a genuine connection and acceptance. And here was, here was somebody that just genuinely liked me and the benefit of the situation, you know, she didn't know my entire past or background. So she was just, she was just evaluating me based on the person that was in front of her. And I think that that was really a watershed moment for me. And I remember sitting in the airport when I was heading back to Chicago and, oh, she's before you, before you get there. Yeah. I just want to put out something when we're talking about meeting people that are new And, you know, you get to experience them as who they are today without all this background noise of who they've always been. Yeah. We, when we meet people, we have this, this why they say first impressions are so important. We have this, the moment you meet people, you typically make up your mind about them, whether they're to be remembered, whether they're to be forgotten, whether they're an asshole, whether they're wonderful. And that impression anchors into your memory. And I think people can relate when, you know, those of us that are a little older, like I'm 49 and 
I think of meeting my friend Natalie and she was like 23 and I think maybe I was 26 or 27, maybe. And I was in this place where I was thinking, oh my gosh, she's so young. Remember when we're 20s? Oh, they're so young. And so (laughs) here we are, fast forward 20 plus years later, and I was thinking about her. I'm like, oh man, she is so young. But it's like, I'm 49. She's got to be 45 or 46. She's not so young, but it's those first impressions. So when you really meet somebody in the beginning like that, it's so powerful when you show up as the new, improved person you've been working so hard on because they get to just really experience you in that way and who you are now. Yeah. So I love that piece. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think too, being in a foreign country, it, it does, it does this thing where you, you, your guard actually gets let you're, it's weird because everything around you is, is crazy and, and not, you're not used to it. Right. So it's sensory overload is the best way to say it. You, right. Everything. And because of that, you actually, your, your personal guard gets let down a little bit. You're less self, self-conscious and self-aware, I think, or at least I was, I shouldn't say that that's universal. And, and I think that I wasn't trying to be anybody. I wasn't even trying to be myself. Sometimes, you know, like before, before podcasts, I'm like, Sean, just be yourself. Don't try to think about what you're going to say or, or that, just be yourself. And in that moment and in, in that time that I spent with her, I really just didn't have any sense of me trying to be something or not be something. And so I think that was a, a real big advantage. And, and she's just one of the most genuine people that you'll ever meet. And so there's that part of it was, was what allowed us, I think, to connect on a deeper level than I had experienced in, before. So. And I, so she'd given me this leather bracelet with an infinity knot in it. And I was sitting in the airport before I went back to Chicago and I was, you know, looking down at this bracelet on my wrist and, you know, and I'm crying, all right, I'm crying happy tears because I've met this wonderful person and I'm optimistic about my business. I'm optimistic about life. Like things are really starting to click for me. And then I'm also crying sad tears because I'm, I have to leave her behind. It's going to be at least months before I can come back and, and see her again. So it was really just overwhelmed emotionally. And I looked down at this infinity knot and I thought, wow, can this, can that be true? And I was thinking about our relationship, right? Could love be forever? You know, obviously it, it seems like it can't be from a, a literal physical sense in our, our bodies on this planet. It seems like there's, there's a, an end point when, when one person dies. But that made me think something much larger than myself was happening. And I didn't know what it was. I really didn't understand it. I knew that I had been seeking a greater experience and a deeper connection with the world around me, but I didn't really have any idea how to do that or, or what was happening. But I knew, I knew that I was, you used the word precipice at at the beginning of the intro. And it's like, that's where I was in life right there. I was like, man, I am right on the cusp of everything that I want. It is right within my reach, career, relationship, finances, all of it is right there for the taking. And it was, it was just overwhelming emotionally. And So we get back to Chicago and within a week, the universe decided that screw you, Sean, we're going to shut down. So Chicago <laughs> shut down and my career was slowed for obvious reasons and the world stopped turning on its axis. It's, um, it's really funny because so many people, when they're on the precipice of everything that they want in life, 
and they'll sabotage themselves. You didn't even get the opportunity to sabotage yourself. I didn't even have the chance to self-sabotage. Look at that. I didn't even think about that, which was a pattern of behavior I had had for, for a decade. So yeah, no, and I, that's why I moped around. I, I think a lot of people did. It was like, it was two weeks and I'm like, all right, well, we'll just chill out for two weeks and see what happens. Right. And then it's two more weeks. And then you're starting to get into the two month period. And it was like, all right, this isn't ending anytime soon. And it was, to me, it was obvious enough at that point that viruses don't just go away. So I knew, I knew it was with us for the long haul at that point. And, but I was really down in the dumps about it. I remember one day I decided because the best cure for being down in the dumps is to check social media. So I started scrolling through <laughs> social media and I saw all these posts about people being bored and about people complaining about gaining weight. And I thought, I bet that those two things are related. And I also, it was, it was the universe was holding up a mirror to me because I might not have made a Facebook post about that, but that was certainly the way I was living was I was bored and I was, I was gaining weight because the gym was closed. And so everything I had worked for, you know, the year before from a physical fitness standpoint was not completely lost, but out the window after a couple of months. And I just said, you know what, you've worked too hard. You've, you've come too far. I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know how I'm going to figure all this out, but some, there's something in this that I can take advantage of. There's a hidden, there's a hidden opportunity in all this. I just don't know what it was. And I remember that moment I, I put my phone down. I got some running shorts and a t-shirt on and running shoes. I went out, out outside and ran for a little bit and came back and decided to figure out what I was going to do from there. Was that a new way of looking at things for you at the, to the, at this point, there's gotta be some opportunity in this, some, something that I can do to sort yeah. of transform this into a positive. Was that new for you? That I viewpoint? Think, I, I think it was new to me to apply it to my life. You know, in my business background, I'd always been a resourceful person and always saw challenges and problems as an opportunity to solve and an opportunity to move forward from there. I, I never had really applied that to my life. And I think there's the cliche, right? Everything happens for a reason. I, I think that that had guided me in my life at different points. That was a belief that I'd held. Certainly not recently. That was not a belief that I had held. The, the overarching belief I had is that the universe is cold and unfair. Some people are luckier than others and that that belief wasn't serving me well. So yeah, it was, I would say it was, it wasn't a new idea to me, but it was the first time where I really fully embraced it and fully said, we're going to do something differently than we've, we've done in the past. And so specifically that I took the, a little time to think about it that afternoon. And I said, I've always wanted to get into meditation. And what I have right now is a lot of time that I've never had because that's such time is always an excuse for people who they say they want to work out, but they don't, I'm, I'm too busy. Or I have this thing that I want to do aspirationally, but I'm too busy with my career to get to it, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. That was such a big thing when the pandemic happened is because people always would say, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. And then all of a sudden, everybody had so much time. So all we had was time. And Potato most chips. of the people yeah. were not doing any of the things that they say they would yeah. do. They had just had more time. And I think that was a big wake up call for a lot of people, really, that like, oh, I do have the time. So there's something else in my way. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. And so for me, I, I got into meditation. I built up little by little. And within a couple of weeks, I was meditating for about three or four hours a day, really deep meditation and, and dealing with a lot of, you know, just a lot of behavioral patterns. Why, why do I keep, why had I kept making the same mistakes? What was it that, that 
drove me to do the things that I did. And so I just did a, a ton of soul searching. And one of the things that I had, I stumbled upon pretty quickly was that a lot of the, the decisions I was making was based on taking kind of a safe route. And then you, you end up down that path and you end up so dissatisfied, or I should say, I ended up so dissatisfied with everything. And then it was like each step of the way, I kept getting farther and farther away from myself and farther and farther away from the things that I wanted to do. And, and that's when I said, I, in this moment, I don't know exactly everything that I, it is that I want to be and want to do, but I'm going to, I'm going to pursue that path. And, and that's the only path that I'm going to pursue. And, and the, the obvious thing for me was writing. My first book, Words Like Wine, it's a book of poetry, was released in April of 2020. So that had been done in, in 2019 and it was years of writing. But that was like a, that was just like one of those, it was like a passion project. It was like, well, I've always been a writer and I've, I've always been involved in this. I just, I just want to do this. I had people telling me, you need to get your, your, your poetry out there. And, and, but I didn't think of myself, oh, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be an author. This is who I'm going to become. That hadn't occurred right. to me. What had stopped you from, putting the book out sooner because you had I, been sitting on it for a while, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that I, I would have had ma that the material for that was, I had enough material for a book by probably like 2015, 2016, somewhere along those, the lines there. I didn't think, I didn't think he could make a lot of money selling poetry books. And I, I still don't know if you can or not. I don't make a lot of money selling poetry books now, but it's not important to me to, to make a lot of money doing that. But that at the time it was like, I had to have career success. I had to have material success. If I didn't have career success and material success, I wouldn't be able to find a good partner. If I didn't find a good partner, I would be unhappy, right? It was this, and, and all of that, I was looking for a reason to feel valued and loved. That's, that's what yeah. it came, came down to. And the truth was, I didn't feel, I didn't value and love myself. And what I didn't realize is the reason I didn't is because I kept making, I made a million small decisions to to walk farther away from myself as opposed yeah. to closer to myself over a long period of time. And, and, and it started long before I ever had any kind of manifested problems in my life. It was, yeah. it was something that I made a decision really early in mid twenties is when I stopped pursuing things that I was passionate about doing in music and in writing and just pursued career. And that was my, my primary focus. And, and I want to really point this out because I think this is really important. At the core of a lot of our issues, men or women as genders, stereotypically, I'm going to talk in big generalizations here, obviously, that we all know there are exceptions. But typically, the stuff underneath comes down to the same problems. But one thing that is unique, and I think really, it is a huge burden to bear that I think a lot of women that are like women's empowerment forget that as women, I think so many people have felt repressed and like they weren't allowed to speak up or succeed or do any of these things. And then on the other hand, men are brought up to believe that, hey, you can't just take care of yourself. You have to be able to take care of somebody else, a family. You have to become a good provider. You have to do all of these things. And, and women, in theory, this is societal of generations past, we know this is changing, can just sit there and be taken care of. 
And from the woman's perspective, it's like, I'm not allowed to do and be who I want to be. Whereas a man is, I have to sacrifice who I want to be and be be what I'm expected to be so that I can provide for other people, not just myself. And that is an incredibly huge pressure. And I think it's a big part of the reason why a lot of men have, why there's big, bigger suicide rates for men than women. We can chuck it up to other things as well, but I think that is a big driver, that pressure that you not only have to be good enough for you, but you have to be good enough for somebody else. And you have to have all of that before somebody can love you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's also true. And I, I think really the core issue, regardless of gender and the different challenges that are there is that when we're comparing ourselves to other people, we get into a lot of trouble. And that was uh, 100. Yeah. That was a particular issue for me is, is one of the things that happens when you have a certain amount of success is you get into a social circle of other people that are, are that level and above. And you want that you're desiring of that. And then you get there and you're like, man, I, I can't compete. I don't, I don't measure up. And so you start, you start doing things to try to compete. Right. So I, I would buy a car that was not appropriate for my income level, just so it looked like I had a, so that it looked like my income was that kind of thing. And yeah, so I think all of it boils down to a couple things. And that is, are you pursuing who you are and what you want to do? And do you accept yourself? And do you realize that you're valuable and that you're worthy of being loved? And, you know, and I'm so fortunate that I met Elliot back in, in March of 2020, because if I hadn't met her, I don't know if I would have had that was some wind in my sails when, when the, the waters got rough there in 2020 is, you know what, this person believes in me. And if she believes in me, you, you, mm. you can believe in yourself too. And so I, I just, I did, I decided that I wasn't just going to write occasionally or as it happened to be that this was really my, this was my life's work. It was something I was going to pursue and I was going to pursue it regardless of any material benefit to myself or anything else. It was, it was the core of who I was. It's the, it's what I needed to do to be myself and express myself. And so I arrived at this conclusion, but I didn't really have much else to go on. You know, we're still in pandemic and I'd, I'd gone down, I drove down to Florida from Chicago to visit family and I was on the way back and driving and I just, it just, it came to me and, and I said, you know what, when the border to Peru opens up, I'm not going to go for a visit. I'm going to go. And I don't know how long that'll be, but I need to pursue this, this relationship and this person and I, I, this person. And I think it's, I think it's magical and I think it's the rest of my life and I need to find that out. And I need to go with both. I need to jump into that pool with both feet. And I just, as soon as I made that decision. And by the way, I didn't know how he was going to make money or keep my business in Chicago going or anything. And, and I was consciously aware of that. I wasn't like in, in la la land. And I just decided that it wasn't important. I would figure it out and that everything would work out. And I didn't know how, but I knew it would. And I had that certainty and I had that clarity and that peace. And that was a feeling that I hadn't experienced in a really, really, really long time. And it became like, it was like an adrenaline surge as I was driving and as the, the night came and I'm going through the rolling hills of Tennessee and there's like oncoming traffic with lights and all that, you know, normally that would be like a really fatiguing experience for me personally, driving late at night like that. And, but I wasn't, I was just like, I was exhilarated. I was on cl- cloud nine. And as, as that was happening, 
out of nowhere, I got the inspiration for Letters from Lima, my, my novel. And that was something that I had been wanting to write about Lima since I had been there. What I, I remember the first day I was there, I stood on top of this 1,500-year-old pyramid. And it's right in the middle of the city. So you see these glass buildings that are either financial towers or hotels. And you can see the Spanish colonial architecture if you look to the central part of the city. And, and then you see the ocean and you see the desert hills and all this. And it's just this, it's just this mesmerizing, breathtaking place where you've got this juxtaposition of the natural world and the human-made world. And you've got four epochs of human history all splayed out before you. And you, you have this feeling of, or I had this feeling of being incredibly small and then also incredibly giant at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, I, I wanted to write about that feeling. And I, you know, I just didn't know how I thought it was going to be like a nonfiction book. And then I'd actually Part- stumbled into the, the name Letters from Lima because I, I thought, well, I, I want this writer to write letters to other people that are important to them and their journey and in their life about this experience. And I started to do that and it was just, it wasn't a good idea. It wasn't particularly entertaining. And so I, I had this idea in the back of my head, but I didn't have anything for it, but on this drive. But before we go there, I want to go back a little bit to the point when you made the decision. Yeah. So many people say they're going to do things, right? They really mean it. They really want to do those things, but they haven't truly decided. And there is a point, and I know this in my own life, when you make a decision, when you make a decision, like truly make a decision, like everything swirls and changes around you. For me, it would, you could be in this like turmoil, it's like a swirl, like a tornado, depending all different kinds of levels, depending on what's going on in your life. And then you make a decision and then all of a sudden the swirling wind stops and everything falls to the ground. And it just somehow seems easier, even if you have no idea how. Yeah. But what was it for you? Like, you know, I think this is an important thing. People talk about, I'm going to decide to do this. I'm going to do this, that. And most of these people are not making a decision. There is a definitive point when you decide. What is it like? What was it like for you? Like the difference between other things that you were going to do or you had done versus this thing that you just decided and it was so clear. Yeah. So I think, so let's talk about why that happens. Why, why is it that there's things we want to do that we don't do? And so it's the, all of our emotions are on, on a continuum of polar opposites. So if, you know, take public speaking as an example, right? So on one side of that is the fear of, of doing it before you start. And then on the other side of it is the courage that it requires to do that. But it's the same thing. It, what, what that continuum is, is your level of confidence. But fear and courage are the same thing. They just feel very, 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 very differently. But it's the same emotion and the same thing that, that is kind of boiling up inside of you. And the more fearful you are of something, the more important it is to you. What happens is our brains, so the, our psychology, the ego actually, it, you know, it tries to center us from these polar opposites because we think, oh, it'd be great if I was just courageous and brave all the time and just bounding through life. But the reality is that wouldn't be brave or wouldn't be great and it wouldn't be sustainable and we would never get any sleep and, and we would forget to eat and all kinds of things would go wrong. So our bodies are evolved to pull us back into the middle. And I describe that as, as the status quo. And it's when you have two, two polar opposite emotions or feelings that your body is literally 
gripping you into the middle. And a, so a good example is it's Saturday morning. You've been out late Friday night and you do not want to get out of bed. You know, you should get out of bed, but you do not want to get out of bed. And then your dog comes and starts licking your hand and whippering and you still don't want to get out of bed. You're very comfortable where you're at. And you've, so your body is in a state of status quo. It's very happy and very comfortable where it is, even though you have this desire to do something else. But pretty quickly, you're going to get out of bed. Why? Because you love your dog. Because you don't want your dog to wait to go outside. And so that third emotion, that third state is very powerful. And to be aware of it and thrust it into the status quo that you're struggling between is, is what spurs us. And so with me, the difference was that I had a very powerful connection to love and to my partner who I wanted to go see. And so I would have climbed mountains. I would have swam oceans at that point in my life. And I think parents feel that way about their children as, as a real obvious example. And so I, that was, I think, the difference in that moment for me was that I had this, this powerful emotion that was guiding my decision making as opposed to something where there was nothing that was going to pull me one direction or the other. And it was just, it's easier. You know, it's like, well, should I start working out this week or next week? Uh, next week's fine. I'll get started taking care of my body as soon as I find the right fit personal trainer and I buy the right yoga pants and all that stuff. We get these long lists of all these little things we have to do. And the reality is the people who, who need to start going to the gym that do it is because they're like, they're, I'm tired of this. I can't wait any longer. I'm, there's something that's, that spurred them to action. And so for me, it was like, this is the person that I want to be with. And this is the life that I want to pursue. And, and that was so powerful that the, the, the consequences of whatever could possibly go wrong were, were not relevant to me at that point. I was aware that there could be negative consequences and things, but to me, it was just, it just wasn't, I guess the best way I can say it is it wasn't a choice. It wasn't a decision. It, it, it just, it was something that that's the way it was going to be. So I hope, did that answer your question? Yeah. Thank you. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> So we left off, you were, you didn't know what you were going to write. You yeah. were wanted to capture that feeling of being on top of the pyramid. And you had the idea, the concept of letters to Lima or in Lima. From Lima. From Lima. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I had, I had this, this idea and, and normally you write books before you name them. This is probably the last time I'll ever name a book before I, I, I write it. It just ended up working out that way. But yeah, I had this idea and, you know, in the, after the clarity and the adrenaline of making this decision and that, that I stepped off the cliff, right. And there was this invisible bridge that just caught my first step. And in that there was a moment of inspiration and the two main characters for the book, Colin Allweather and Carolyn Grant, they just popped into my head and I knew what they looked like. I knew what they sounded like. I knew what they did for a living. I knew their entire backstory. And I knew when they met what they were going to say to each other. And I didn't write the whole story, but in, in about 15 or 20 minutes, I had mapped out the end and all that. And well, I say 15 or 20 minutes, I don't know how long it was because time was, was standing still for me at that point. And I, but I panicked. I was like, I'm not writing any of this down. It was just all in my, my head. And I was on the road and I thought, well, I could pull over the side, but that didn't feel really safe to do that. And I was about 20 minutes away from the hotel. I said, you know, I'm just going to keep going. And I knew that inspiration had, was touching me. And, and for lack of a better word, divinity was touching me. There was this creative energy that was flowing through me. And 
it would be there in 20 minutes. And if it wasn't going to be there in 20 minutes, I knew I was going back to Lima as soon as I could, which would end up being about a month later when the border opened up. And I said, so whatever inspiration I have right now, I can get it again. It's, it's there. I feel it. It exists. It's just whether I'm open to it and I'm ready to receive it. And so that was really just a, you know, a complete life altering one eight or 90 degree turn in my life. And it was the culmination of years of doing things wrong, the wrong way. And, and a couple of years of really trying hard and everything just worked out for that moment. And all of this story goes to, to tell us one thing. And, and it, it taught me one very, very important lesson. And that is that the universe will give you what you need before it gives you what you want. And <laughs> I was so frustrated that I felt like everything had been yanked away from me. And the reality is that all of uh, everything that transpired worked out in my favor so much greater and so it's just so much more powerfully and fulfilling and I'm getting emotional thinking about it because what mm -hmm. I wanted wouldn't have been this life that I have now and what a mistake yeah. that would have been. I yeah. love that you know nobody likes to hear that the universe is going to give you what you need. You sit like an ayahuasca ceremony, you'll be like you go in with an intention, but she's going to give you whatever it is that you need. And of course, one of the reasons I love the work I do is because we get to choose what we are working on. And of course, I've spent years like fine tuning what it is we should be working on so that you can get what you want. But one of the analogies I tell my clients is here you are, maybe you're a mid-level career person. And you have this idea of this company that you want and here, if somebody were to give it to you and it's operating at like a $10 million a year revenue and you get to run it and have it and it's all yours, well, most people would end up destroying it unless they made sure to figure out how to hire the right people because they don't yet have what it takes to run a company like that. You've got to like work your way through yeah. the different places and even successful entrepreneurs, business owners, if they did it by themselves, they bootstrapped their first business and they would never do it that way again, but they needed to do it to learn and transform so that they could have that full range of the ability to actually run the $10 million company. And so here you are walking into this $10 million life but you had to transform and, and become something different to be able to actually hold on to it. Like a lottery winner wins the lottery, but most of them don't hang on to the money because yeah. they don't have, they, they aren't who they need to be to hold on to that $10 million life. And yeah. so you had become the person that you needed to be to hold on to this. I'm calling it a $10 million life just so that people I, know I it's believe, a valuable. <laughs> I can't believe how undervalued you've, you've put on it. I, I was thinking billion dollars. But, uh, <laughs> You're well, so true. You're so right. Yeah. I think thing that, you know, all of that resonates clearly with me and it's, it's yeah, the path that I was on was all along was preparing me. And this is going back to when I was struggling and I, and this is what I, when, when people are struggling now, what I tell them is, Embrace it for the fact that you are being prepared for something and your, your decision is starting now is all this stuff that I've been through, even the bad decisions that I've made, is that going to be for good or is it going to go to waste? 
And I just, I had to be, I, I'm stubborn and hard-headed, I guess. I'm not, a, I'm not as quick a learner at life as I, I would have liked to have thought I was when I was younger. And, and so I just had to, you know, navigate a look through it a little bit differently. But the, the, the truth is I look back now and I wouldn't be able to do the work I do now. I wouldn't be able to, to do the writing I do now if I hadn't been through all that. And so it's, it's all part of the journey and the process. And the key that you said that is, it's the key to everything is that you're becoming a better version of yourself. And I think that that really, whether it's your career or your relationships or your physical health or anything that you want to contribute in life, it's, you're going to have success in those areas if you're pursuing your true nature. And so as, as long as you're trying to be somebody else or do something outside of what you were born to be, be doing, it's, it doesn't matter how much money you, you end up making doing it, you're going to be miserable and you're, you're going to be depressed and unfulfilled. That's the key is to do what you are made to do. And we get to, and that's part of the joy of life is we get to figure that out as we go along. One of the things that plagued me younger is like, I didn't feel like I had this true calling purpose. I had lots of stuff that I was interested in and lots of stuff that I pursued and did, but none of it was like that exciting to me. That's really what we have to find is what is that thing that, that really just lights us up. And you would, if you want to run a $10 million company, you, you should be willing to do everything that's required of that for free. And I'll even take it another step further. If you want to be an entrepreneur you'd better be willing to pay $10 million to get that, that company, you know? So it's how much do you want it? How much do you, is it really a, a desire of your heart? Or is it this thing that, that looks good on somebody else's Instagram page? Like, oh, my life would right. be better if I had this great job or, or this, you know, big salary. It, it's a little bit like not wanting to be the derelict. Like I, if I have this, then I'm not the derelict versus this is my yeah. heart and soul yeah. and, and I would do it for free. That's I, I yeah. love that the question. You know, somebody gave you billions of dollars. What would you do? I'm like, I would do the same thing I'm doing now, except maybe I'd hire somebody else to edit my podcast. <laughs> you know, there's a few things I so, would create some more space. So yeah, you get, so that means you you need to go find that resource and and get that person to do that. So and that by the way, I struggle with the same the same stuff. In, in my career, what, what do I do and what do I, I not do? And, and I think we all go through that, but I, the other thing is there's, I, I think there's value in us doing things that we don't enjoy doing that don't light us up the same way because it builds, it builds discipline and it builds determination and it, it, you, you realize, okay, this is an investment. This thing I'm doing right now isn't, isn't the love of my life, but it's an investment in me being able to do that. And I think particularly with careers and jobs, so many, as, as we get older, we tend to get, make more money and then we tend to have more financial obligations. And so that thing that we, we kind of thought in our early twenties, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to do this. That thing gets harder and harder to do because we become more and more locked into the financial piece of whatever it is we do for a living. And you know, the thing that I, I preach is like, you might have a job that you don't love right now. That's okay. You can still be yourself within that. Just make mm -hmm. sure that job is financing your dreams. Make sure that job is financing who it is that you want to become. And, you know, it gets, it gets tough when say you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year and you could do the thing you love full time, but it would be $50,000 a year. That's a hard question for most of us to, to answer. But I think if you can get to that point, that's, that's a step in the right direction at, at least. And one of the things, too, if you're doing what you love at $50,000 a year, 
but you really want to be making more. Obviously, if you have children and things like that, it's it's uh, it's got different kinds of pulls. But if you're willing to continue to grow within yourself, expand yourself, not just have this thing, okay, I'm doing this thing that I love $50,000 and I'm not willing to grow and keep expanding and stretching into, stretching out of my comfort zone. There's always possibilities for more income to be made no matter what you're doing. You just got to be willing to stretch into, I hate to use this word, your potential. Yeah. And not everybody's willing to do that. And that's okay too. Yeah. I think, I mean, everybody's, so everybody's scenario is different, right? And, and year by year and week by week, even day by day, we're all in different places in, in that. And so I think it's just, it's making progress that makes us happy. And I think the progress towards really discovering and being who ourselves, there's nothing more rewarding than that. And I, the thing that I, I, I guess preach is probably the right word for it. But the thing that I, I preach is that when we're focused on, on dollars and cents and when we're focused on material outcomes, you will get that. That is what you will get. And, and, and you will trade your abundance and your fulfillment and your joy for it. So if you're going to be, if you're going to chase money, I suggest you chase a lot of it because that'll at least sustain you for some amount of time fooling yourself that you're happy. But the, the, the reality is that, that we, we pursue career success and we pursue material success. So we pursue that stuff because we think it's going to make us feel a certain way, whether we think it's going to make us feel powerful or, or achieve social status. And all those things really ultimately lead back to, we feel like we're going to be valuable and we feel like we're going to be loved for it. And the, the, the tricky part of reality is that it works. If you get a lot of stuff, people will want to be your friends. You'll feel good for a certain period of time. When you get promoted at work, you'll feel good for a certain amount of time. The problem becomes is that you need more and more and more of that. It never lasts. And so anything that we pursue, and it's not just material goods, it can be relationships. You know, for me along for years in my life, I really wanted this great relationship. I thought if I could have a great relationship, everything else would fall into place. Nothing else would matter. And the reality was that that it was still seeking something outside of myself. And, you know, we have to, all those things that we want lead back to feeling valued or loved. And the best way to feel valued and loved is to value and love yourself and, and to honor the nature that you've been given by the universe by pursuing and pursuing your, your talents and your abilities and your desires. And it's, it's the hardest thing in the world we live in today, but to, there's so many things that we can do. There's constantly advertisements for Food we can eat, vacations we can go on, education, careers, everything. We're getting constantly bombarded by all these different choices and options. And the reality is that the best option is the thing that's in, in our heart. And we knew it when we were kids and we knew it as we were getting older, but it's something happens where we, we get pulled away from that. And it's not a big thing. It's just a little, little by little, we get pulled into right. this focus of external things when ultimately those will all lead to the same place. As you said, those, all those little decisions that you kept making to move you further and further away from what is true and right for you and sitting still and starting to unwind that through meditation, through other kinds of healing, all kinds of different ways you can do that. And, and when it comes down to it over time and you start to backtrack those decisions, 
it's easier and easier to actually connect to and see what you really should be doing and who you truly are. So how did it go when you got to Peru? <laughs> it went great, but you know, it was interesting. So my fiance was living with a friend of hers and her husband and and their daughter. She was the godmother for this daughter. And so I moved into it. You know, I went from living by myself for years and years and years into living with four other people in a two bedroom, one bathroom apartment, and which is very normal in Latin America. Our expectations yeah. for that are, are different in the United States. And so, so parts of it were very stressful. And the, the, the building I lived in, people liked to, to fiesta till all, all hours of the morning, the neighbors and, and so on and so forth. And so it was, it was an interesting first couple of months to say the least before we got a place of our own and just adjusting to being, to, to trying to live down there. I was barely spoke Spanish when I moved down there. I, I, I'd been studying it as much as I could for like an hour a day for the seven months before I got down there. But then you get there. And it's in the pandemic. So everybody's wearing two masks and plastic face shields. And it just, it, I couldn't understand anybody. I was afraid to go to the store by myself. My fiance was in, in tow the whole time. So I was lucky that I had a, a built-in translator who didn't speak English, by the way, but for some, but we would, I could understand her Spanish and she could understand mine. So, which it's just part of our greater connection that, that I, I, we've had friends sit there and watch us communicate and they have no idea what I'm saying. They're like, how did you understand what he's saying? And she just, she seems to know my, what my vocabulary range is and, and be able to figure out what it is that I'm trying to say. So, but the, it, that was just kind of the everyday life stuff, but you know, it was, it, it's been amazing living in Peru and seeing different aspects of the country, you know, Machu Picchu's this incredibly famous natural wonder of, or wonder of the world. And I, Anytime I go see something like that, I'm always like a little bit, I, I try to rein my expectations in. And when I got there, it was like, I mean, it just blew me away. It was, it's so far exceeded my expectations and, and, and countless other archaeological sites. And, you know, Lake Titicaca is the highest navigable lake in the world. And so we went and stayed on these, they're human-made islands made out of reeds that they build with mud and reeds and they just float out there cool oh yeah yeah so it is mine it, it, it's it's freezing and so you have like a thousand blankets on you and you're out looking through this window out over the lake and it's it's just it connects you to the universe in a way that that you don't get to do very often in regular life and so you know i've been so fortunate and over two years that i've been in peru there's just been so many things like that that i've gotten to do that i just never would have done and that goes back to the original decision it was like I, the way I thought it was all going to play out and unfold, it's not how it unfolded and played out, but it's, it's been so much better than I could have possibly imagined for myself. And I think, you know, one of the things with manifestation in particular is that I think the first step is discover who, who you are, who you want to be, what you're trying to be, become, and then and really declare that to yourself, to your friends, to the world around you, Hey, this is who I am and what I'm working on. And then to create, create a plan, create a path for yourself. This is how I'm going to go about becoming this person. And then as soon as you have that plan, let go of it and just say, <laughs> it, it might not go this way. The universe is probably not going to have everything go according to that. And, and the cool part is it's going to work out better. As long as you're true to yourself and you're true to your heart's desires about what it is that you want to become and who you want to be, it'll end up being a hundred times better than you could have ever, ever planned for yourself. And so, yeah, it's been wonderful. 
So making that plan, is that kind of just to tell the universe that you're serious about it? <laughs> I, I think, so here's my belief, is that when we're telling the universe, what we're really doing is telling ourselves. And that Rumi said that we, we aren't a drop in the ocean, we are the ocean in a drop. And I firmly believe that, that the creative power of the universe, everything around us is conscious energy. And we think of like kicking a rock that we've hit a solid object with our foot, right? That's stuff. Well, it's not really stuff. It's particles of energy, but their vibrational rates have slowed to a pace where we, we think there's a rock and we think we have a foot. And the reality is that there's other species on this planet that we live in that would see that same rock and would see it entirely different than we see it. It's just our brains as a similar species, we all see things fairly similarly. Obviously, we've all run across those situations where there's a massive discrepancy, like, how can you not see what I'm seeing here? We've all had that, that experience too. But so we have this kind of construct of what is happening around us, the conscious experience that we're having. And the reality is that whatever makes that possible, I don't, I don't know if it's knowable or not, but I know that it's, I know that it's, it's a part of me. I don't have a choice. Right. And so I just have to open myself up to, to that. And I think, so as I'm making that plan, I think I'm, I'm, I'm conditioning my subconscious by doing that and saying, Hey, these are the things that I want to do. Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's something really powerful about organizing your thoughts and organizing what it is that you, that you want to accomplish and who you want to be. And when you set out to do that, then the, the universe around you starts to work on your behalf. When you don't set out to do that, or when you set out to accomplish goals and other things that aren't in line with alignment with your, your true heart's desires, that's when we run into pain and suffering and we keep beating our heads on the wall and we call it self-sabotage, but it's really just, it's really just, you're, you're going, you're walking in a maze and you keep going the wrong direction. And, and I think one of the cool things about life is that it is a maze. It's not, it isn't so obvious what we're supposed to do all the time. That's the fun of it. And so, right. you know, it's, it's that you create a path and a plan for yourself and that gets you, what that does is it gets you, it gets you going it gets you moving. And when you start to do that and something challenging interacts with your life, you're like, okay, well, this wasn't part of my plan, but it's part of, it's part of the maze and it's going to get me in the right direction. And that's what a plan does is it, it gets you committed to the outcome and yeah. you don't change the outcome. You change the plan. And that happens to me in what I do. And I definitely don't want to sound like, oh, I'm this completed work and everything is, is peaches and roses all the time. Like there's, there's a, a thousand times in a month probably where I have something that's aggravating me, frustrating me or challenging me or standing. I'm perceiving it to be standing in, in the way of what it is that I want to do and who I want to become. It's just that when that stuff happens, I, I catch it really, really quickly right now. And I say, all right, this is you being attached to your plan and not being attached to who it is that you're trying to be. And so that's, mm. that's the letting go of it part. And if the universe isn't fulfilling your desires, it's because it's, it's busy working on mine. I can't do everything all at once. <laughs> no, it's because it's because it's giving you what you need before it gives you what you want. And so yeah. it, it, I promise it will work out better than you could possibly imagine. Yeah. And, and I think I've always had these big, big, big dreams from the time I was little. I was like, I am meant to do big things. Like I could just feel it deep in my soul. And I might have had an easier life if I didn't have such big dreams. <laughs> oh, but you know, I was connected to my heart. If I had 
I'd have what I wanted if I had really in my deepest of who I am been meant to be something a little bit different. And we all have our own paths and every path is perfect. Um, Sean, you have a special discount for us, for us, my listeners and the people watching. And it is wolf 30 all caps and you get 30 percent off all programs in the seanrandall.com learning center can you tell us a little more about like what is in that learning center you've got a book coming out soon you've got some stuff tell us about all the stuff you have coming that is a product of you stepping into you being who you're meant to be. Yeah. So I think it's the work that we do that gives value to other people that really brings us joy in life. And so, you know, the stuff you're talking about is the book is called the manifestation method. And so the online course is called the manifestation method. Everything uses that name. And on the last episode, we talked about that date of April 13th when I was in 2018, when I just said, you know, I'm going to figure this out. And the first couple of years I was working on that, I, I hadn't discovered manifestation and I didn't have all of this put together, but that was when the, the journey for this started. And, you know, I used to, I would hear people all the, t- the time, they would say, I can't tell you how manifestation works. I can just tell you that it does. And I thought, well, that is not good enough for me. I'm, I'm a, I'm someone who needs to know how it works before I'll, I'll, I'll get bought in all the way. And uh, so through years of studying and, and discovering, I, I found a path that works and I don't think it's the only one, but it's the manifestation method is a, a, a how to manifest it goes step-by-step. And so you can discover yourself and create the life that you want to live and experience abundance, fulfillment, and joy and live life on your terms. And so there's the book, there's the online course as well. And then I do individual sessions with people that I call it map manifestation action path. So we go through and there's some planning tools that we use to kind of carve out a path. And then we, and then we let go of it, but we do a a visualization session and and a guided meditation. And it's a really cool session. So it's, it's kind of a quick start, right? If you want to, if you want to get started in manifestation of something you've always wanted to try. I can, I can get you started and guide you through that. And then I've got the personal immersion, which is a month long program that I, I do with, with students. And it's a deep dive into everything that's gone into the book and the course. And I work with you on a daily basis. And so you get a little bit of accountability, which helps us all. I put the coach's right. hat, hat on and, and help you stick to the, the decisions that you've made and, and the life that you want to pursue. And you get the benefit of a lot of guided meditation and visualization. And we really work on, on honing in your subconscious to start guiding you into the life that you, that you actually want to live. And so that's a, that's a really cool program as well. And then there's a, there's a, a bigger version of that that's blown up. That's a three month program as well. So those are, those are the main things that are there. They're good things. They're good things. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. No, it's exciting. I love, I love, it's interesting. I, I, so I think of myself as a writer first and, and as a teacher second, but when I'm teaching and working with students, that gives me more joy. And I don't know how to explain that. Writing's like, 
It's like being in a UFC ring, you know, I'm just brawling it out with the pages to get the, the ideas out of my head and craft what I want to craft. And teaching is, a, is just a, a really just joyous experience to get to kind of share the journey that I've had with people and, and help them see, you know, we, we all need to see ourselves from a different set of eyes. And I think back to when I met Elliot and it was so obvious to me, like she just sees me for who I am. There's no, there's no other programming or stuff that she's got as it relates to me. And all of us are carrying around massive amounts of programming, some of it positive, some of it negative, some of it neutral, but that, you know, we have these habitual behaviors that we're going through life doing, and it, it helps to just, I, I call it defrag the mind and get a new uh, place to start. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you one more question after I tell people. One of the pieces that I think we talked about this a lot, people struggling in their careers and not finding that fulfillment, not really being in alignment with who they authentically are. And those of you that know me and have known me for a while, that's, of course, what I help people do. So if you're looking to really connect to who you are and find that joy and fulfillment and abundance in your career, you can book a call with me and you can do that at elevatebookacall.com. So if you all are not driving and you want to book a call <laughs> with me, open up a browser right now, type in elevatebookacall.com. And if you want to look at the stuff that Sean has to offer, type in Sean, it's S-H-A-U-N dash Randall, R-A-N-D-A-L-L dot com. So go ahead and type that in, get your discount, which is WOLF30, all capitals, go to Elevate Book a Call, all of those things. And Sean, if you were going to give that man who had just had that decision moment on the road, you knew and decided, I'm just going to move to Korea, to Peru. <laughs> I'm just going to move to Peru and do like, I don't know how or any of the details, but I'm going to do it. If, who, what would you say to that man at that moment that just made a big life decision? And they needed to know something. What would you say to him? I would say you're totally nuts. Uh, you're crazy. <laughs> and then I would say, but you're doing the right thing. And you're jumping off a cliff. I alluded to it earlier. It's something I call an invisible bridge. And you'll, you're the first step, you, it seems like you're just stepping on air, but something will catch your foot. And you start to walk out over the air. And all the voices behind you are telling you, don't go. Don't do it. And you're crazy. You're going to fall. You're going to get hurt. The more you walk out into the center of that canyon over the air suspended, you start to hear the voices of people who are already on the other side and listen to them because they're cheering you on and they're telling you to come join them. And I, I think that I wish I knew that a little bit sooner or heard those voices when I started. And so that's what I would tell them is that there's a lot of people who are cheering for you and they're waiting for you on the other side. You just have to keep walking. You'll get there. And it's going to be scary because you're going to, every time you look down, you're not going to see anything under your feet, but you, you've got, you've got a, an invisible bridge that's guiding you. And so it, 
feel the power of that and enjoy that. Don't you're going to get nervous, but just remember that you're walking on a bridge and there's people on the other side that are cheering for you. And and when you make it, your your job is to help other people get across that same bridge. So that's what I would tell them. Awesome, awesome. Okay, Sean, thank you so much. I could seriously, we could probably talk for about four more hours. <laughs> Let's wrap this on. We could, but that'll cut into my nap time. (laughs) We don't want to do that. So thank you so much for being here, sharing your story, the whole journey in these two episodes. I'm so grateful for you and for you sharing with us the journey and reminding people that it can be done no matter what stage of your journey you are in you can reach that place where your heart is happy and you feel fulfilled and you get to have joy that's my favorite part yeah absolutely well thank you so much for having me it's been an absolute delight to uh to converse with you and and just share the experience with you Wonderful. All right, everybody, we will see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be The Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.